Hi, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here's your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's a recovering entrepreneur and consultant to small businesses and nonprofit organizations. Here is Tom Fox. Well, Chris, thanks a lot. I'm excited about this week's show. We have Amy Allen. She's a partner at Blum Shapiro. And she's going to be chatting with us a little bit about human resources and evaluating each of our function in your organization, especially as now we have this opportunity pre-COVID and coming out of it and so on like that. So, Amy, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So, um, as you said, Tom, I am a partner with uh, Bloom Shapiro. Uh, We launched an HR consulting and advisory practice about two and a half years ago in order to help continue to be a full service um, back office outsourced and advisory um, firm uh, for all of our clients. So, as a 30-year tax audit and and finance firm, uh, we really now are uh, broader and we can help our partner with our clients in a deeper way, um, letting them do what they do best with their business and letting us help them with the things that they don't necessarily want to um, be elbows deep in, like some of the HR stuff, some of the IT stuff. Um, even uh, We even have help in litigation and cybersecurity and, and other deep uh, back office uh, capabilities. Uh, but my story is I'm a 30-year uh, HR professional and executive. Um, I've spent the majority of my career in-house working for some great organizations like Staples, uh, the Boston Globe, Planned Parenthood, uh, Suffolk Construction. Um, Went out into the consulting space about four years ago. And as I said, joined Bloom um, in 2018. Uh, As an HR advisory group, we basically help our clients with anything on the people side of their business. For many of our clients, we are their outsourced HR department. Um, but for uh, many others, we come in and do project work. Um, one of the things we do quite often is go in and help our clients do an assessment of the health of their HR department. Um, I love partnering with um, HR colleagues who become clients. So even if, if clients have internal HR people, um, we can go in and partner with them on uh, what's going well, what isn't going well, um, and have a, a, a great long-term relationship. So, So it sounds like at least from, from the conversation so far, when you guys started to do these, when Boom started to go into these new lines of business, was it mainly because of you know, the, the, you, you listening to your customers? Hey, we love the work that you already do. You know, we still need some help in these areas. Yeah, I know you guys don't do that, but like, can you recommend somebody? And all of a sudden, you know, you hear that enough, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Can we do that? Do yeah, we want to exactly, do that? You know, yeah. Exactly right, Tom. That's exactly how um, – how we've always worked um, from an entrepreneurial place and a, we have a strong entrepreneurial spirit. Um, all of my partners and I um, are really proud of the way we can um, listen to our clients, hear what their needs are and figure out a way to help them um, tackle it. Um, but that's exactly how we expanded is by listening to our clients and um, realizing that there's a lot of great uh, individuals out there that um, are uh, helping in these spaces on a consulting basis. and putting them under uh, one roof and leveraging resources. Um, it, it's just been, it's been a, a really successful um, long-term strategy for us. So when, when, when you know, I, in, in a previous life, I, I did some HR consulting and I always found it refreshing 
to go into a new organization that is seeking help with human resources for a couple of reasons, especially when, well, I guess it's, I love it when they had a, a well-functioning organization and a culture. And it would more about trying to maintain it. But I, I think some of the more invigorating work sometimes is when leadership really wanted to turn the ship around and really had a new culture they wanted to, or really just evaluate to your point, like, what do we have? How, you know, are we getting the most out of our people? And one thing I think I took away from it was, reminding me of my college days was, I look at HR as a, as a, not a cost center, but a profit center, because if you get human resources right, it pays dividends. It's not something that takes money out of the organization. It actually is to your, your vitality. So, you know, when you say you go in and evaluate those functions, that seems like it's a very critical aspect to, listen, your people are your people. You can go buy new desks and new chairs and all that stuff, and arguably you can get new people too. But when you retain talent and get top talent to work for you and you give them a reason to stay and give them something meaningful to do, wow. I mean, that's, that's impactful. So that's got to be rewarding going in and kind of taking a look at those functions. It is. And not only is it rewarding, but it's, um, it just, it, it, it's um, invigorating because you um, really feel like you're adding value. Um, as I said, whether an organization has an internal HR team that I can partner with, um, or they've never thought about um, HR really in a deep way, other than having the, um, an administrator somewhere in the organization, mm-hmm. making sure that people are getting paid and getting enrolled in their benefits, et cetera. There's typically um, some tipping points um, with an organization where HR becomes more um, forefront in a CEO, COO, CFO's mind. Um, And a lot of that is driven um, by either uh, change in business objective or literally change in size of the organization. Uh, I have found that when an an employer hits 25 employees, uh, there's a new... um, a new focus on the people side of the business. Um, You start um, having a a myriad of different personalities and styles that before in smaller organizations seem to jive. You start to um, have to manage people in a way that's different and individuals might not have had any experience actually managing other people. There's another tipping point at 50 employees because then there are certain compliance and labor laws that apply to you that didn't apply to you prior to hitting 50. Once you hit 100, we have employers, and we always say, um, as Sherm tells us, you know, the, the formula is it's one full-time HR person for every 50 to 100 employees. And the 50 to 100 um, also depends on how high maintenance in industry you are. So if you're retail manufacturing, um, if you have a lot of supply chain, you know, call centers that are typically high turnover um, organizations, then you usually need a full-time HR person at 50. Um, if you're more professional services where, um, you know, the schedule is, is your um, typical day schedule and you don't have a lot of variety of employees, then you can usually get one HR person to 100. But um, what we find is that those tipping points is when we start hearing from CEOs that are saying, I, I, I don't know what I don't know. Um, I, I'm not up to speed on changing labor law. Um, I'm not up to speed on what I can and can't say, um, even in an interview, yet alone in an employee relations situation. So us being able to sit down and, and go through each of what we call the seven stages of an employee life cycle and ask questions about how are you doing this today? How is this being managed? Have you ever thought of this? Have you ever thought of that? It's really the dialogue that is um, most beneficial and um, we can then come back to them with, this is what you told us is happening. Uh, this is what our recommendations are, are and this is how we can help you. 
um, and, and a whole slew of recommendations. So yeah, it's, it's invigorating and, um, and certainly rewarding. It's especially come to light. One of the unexpected tipping points has been COVID for sure. Um, it's had almost every um, executive in all industries start thinking about the people side of their business um, in a way that was um, uh, immediate and reactive and had to come with empathy and understanding and fear. Um, so certainly um, doing this HR assessment has um, become a really uh, popular service that we're providing um, for our clients uh, during and, and um, as we come to the return to work stage of, of COVID. We're talking to uh, Amy Allen. She's a partner at Boom Shapiro. Um, we're talking about assessing HR functions, especially the business owners out there that you know, may not have a lot of reevaluating to do coming out of COVID, but also new opportunities. You know, Amy, something that you talked about was scaling an organization and how at some point, you know, you need you need a certain level of human resources there to to, to manage that, that growth and, and so on like that. Um, you know, one thing, uh, a question I have, you know, in, in a lot of the conversation was about understanding the people end of it. And one thing I, I'm curious about is how much of the work do you do goes into developing the people? You mentioned something earlier and there was a statistic, it could be old, but roughly they say 80% of people in managerial jobs really never had any sort of training on how to be a manager. Now, somebody someday said, well, you're a manager because you can, you know, you're whatever. And you're like, okay, great. You know, and listen, for me, I took on the habits of my old managers, which actually weren't really good managers, but they were, they fell into the bucket. Someone made a manager. They never had any training. They beat me over the head to get something done. So I got it done. And it's all that you knew. Yeah. You don't know any better. Right. Do you do a lot with like helping people understand what is true management? What is true leadership? Like, because the people part of the, I mean, they're the spark plugs for your company. You can do all this other stuff. You can buy all the machines in the world, but if you don't have the right people to run them, if you don't, even in a call center, if I don't have those people, I have the right personality to engage the customer, make them feel valued. Like, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, listen, when I grew up, I grew up with my grandparents and they said, listen, you, someone tells you to do something, you do it. Okay. You know, and that was it. But world, it's changed a lot, especially, you know, what it is to, to lead in, what it is to, to be a follower. Um, does your work touch on those things about like, listen, you know, people are people and let's help you understand them in their totality beyond, you know, yes, you got to pay uh, this, that, and the other thing for taxes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. In order to be a successful human resources professional, in my opinion, it really is about um, strategically figuring out how to get the biggest return on your biggest expense, which is your people. Um, you know, our profession has evolved tremendously over the past um, two decades in, in particular, um, where the old personnel department um, is is not what we all aspire to be anymore. And it's not just about, um, you know, getting payroll run and getting people enrolled in their benefits. And um, it also isn't um, being the um, employee advocate as much anymore as it was, you know, two decades ago, although we do play that role um, when, um, when appropriate. Um, but really, HR professionals today are about um, being business people uh, that care about the business, understand the finances, and are working with executives on, as I said, getting the best return on the people that you've um, brought into your organization. And there's a myriad of different strategies on how to get that return. But from my perspective, the most important thing is to always think about the employee experience. Um, is that experience what you want it to be? Is your brand as an employer 
what you want it to be. If people were to ask your employees, what is it like to work at your organization? Would they say what you want them to say? Um, and that's everyone from your top performers all the way down to maybe individuals who aren't meeting expectations. You still want them to talk about your um, place of business as a, as a um, the place, the kind of place that you want it to be to work. Um, you want to have that brand. So certainly um, we talk uh, with our executives about developing people. And it's really interesting, Tom, that you mentioned about leaders. Um, one of the things we know for sure from the data is that um, the majority of new managers have never had any training on how to be a manager. Um, we all progress through our career because we're good at our job and we're good at what we do, not because we're good at getting other people to um, perform their best. Um, that's not typically why we get promoted or why we get the next level position. So when you do get promoted to that level of managing others, um, you know, it's a very challenging um, change of um, style because really it isn't about how well you how well you do at your job it's about how well you get others to perform their best and it's it's a very hard transition um, and many of us as you said take on um, behaviors that we've learned along the way right what else do we know um, we have a whole um, training library um, where we have a lunch and learn model um, hour and a half sessions um, for managers of all levels whether new managers or seasoned managers where we talk about things like delegation and time management. We talk about coaching. We talk about having difficult conversations. We talk about emotional intelligence. So we do have that um, training series and we also do a lot of executive coaching um, and we have a specific competency-based tool um, that we use for our executive coaching that is more like a 360 um, than, you know, I, I'm not a couch coach, as they say. I don't, um, you know, talk about your childhood. It's all about uh, competencies and, and as leaders, um, what are the competencies that we need to, to be successful in our roles? So yeah, we focus a lot on development and our um, HR assessment has a whole section on uh, developing employees. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, uh, I guess I'd say the behavioral end of leadership is very different than this structure. And I would say it this way, and I did a lot of leadership development and coaching. Yeah. The, the, the role of the leader is to create yeah, the role of the leader is to create focus, structure, and direction. And that's tough. Listen, if you're a, if you're a high energy individual who sets the expectations pretty high, you sometimes may just say, well, they're going to figure it out on their own, or I want to see where they're going to go with this. That's not always the best approach. Sometimes just tell <laughs> folks where you want them to go because then they can put their efforts in getting there and all these things. So it's great to have an organization like yours that can come in and look at kind of all parts of it or you know, how are, how's the function running? Listen, maybe you don't have an HR function. Well, you need one. Here's why. Or if you have one, listen, here's how, you know, at least how I used to look at it in my former work was how can we create a partnership that's going to help you grow over time and meet your goals? You do the best. That you, listen, if you're an injection mold specialist, I want you focused on that. But if you need to get scientists to come in and work on new stuff, well, let me go get the scientists for you. Let me make sure that they're a good fit for your organ, whatever it may be. You fo like you said earlier, focus on what you do best. Right. And that's why there's organizations that you can partner with and, and, and do more with. On that note, how can folks learn more about your work and how they can, and, and how they can benefit by, by you know, evaluating HR functions? Well, certainly anybody can go to our website at bloomshapiro.com. Um, if you go to the advisory uh, page, it talks about all of the different services that we provide. Um, people can also uh, reach out to me um, by my email, which is aallen at bloomshapiro.com. 
I'm happy to um, answer any questions or even give some uh, introductory uh, advice on um, anything that might be on your mind related to the HR uh, side of your business. I got to imagine now with folks doing a lot of work from Zoom and stuff like that, there's, there's, you know, at least I've seen more online about how to lead virtually or yep. how do I engage my employee. So this, I got to imagine folks got a lot of questions in their head. So this is a good opportunity to, to, to ask some of those questions just to make sure you're doing things the right way. Listen, there's a lot of additional stressors. You know, I have friends that are parents. So there's a new dynamic in the house with some of the kids, you know, learning from home and all these additional stressors that are coming on employees right now and leaders too. Listen, not for nothing. You could own a company and, you know, you've got a couple of kids that don't go to school, you know, you're still trying to run a company and you've got all this going on. So it seems like now's a really good time to engage some of these things about HR, at least to learn something new or even that aspect of just how do I better engage these people while they're stressing at the same time? Yeah, I've been, I've been talking with colleagues about, um, I think one of the benefits of, uh, of our COVID experience has been the humanization of um, executives, uh, just because of what you mentioned, Tom. There's nothing better in my mind than having a staff meeting and seeing somebody's child pop in by accident or, you know, the cat walk across the screen or, you know, you hear, as you said, the um, cars being towed next door. Um, it really does uh, create this, um, I, I think, new relationship um, that we have with one another where we see um, sort of the, the blend of, of work and life and realize that we're all sort of doing the best we, that we can and we're yeah. in this together. Um, so I found that to be a really sort of beautiful part of this uh, experience. Um, but I also have a lot of um, clients who are um, using that term Zoom fatigue a lot. I'm sure you've heard um, the, the phrase Zoom fatigue. Um, and many uh, of my clients aren't even uh, um, turning their cameras on anymore. And I keep saying, well, then why don't you just pick up the phone? Why do we even go through Zoom if we're not using the, the camera? Um, it's just one of those questions where people are, don't really know the answer, but it's an interesting conversation. Um, you know, we've forgotten that, the, that a good old uh, fashioned conference call can get a lot of accomplished as well. You don't have, sure. to, um, have to be on Zoom, but um, all of these things are, are definitely new to leadership and management. And I'm, I'm personally very proud of um, how we've all um, really come together and figured out that we can make this work and we um, can stay productive and we can, um, for the most part, um, keep our businesses going, um, you know, even, even remotely for those of us that, that are in industries that can do that. Yeah. And even those industries that can't, that, you know, I have clients in the manufacturing um, industry or food services that have figured out a way to keep employees safe and have them feel safe and um, be creative about how to get things done. So um, I don't know. I think it's been a real exercise in resilience at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, with, no one's gone unscathed or untouched by what's going on now. Um, all we can really do, <clears throat> well, I equated to a um, video game. I'm going to date myself back to the 80s. It was a skating game. And at one point when you're running low on energy, it would say skate or die. And yeah. so basically <laughs> right now we have to skate or die. We have to figure out like what's next. You know, how do we really do this? Because um, we can't just sit by idly and, and, and think that, you know, things are, I mean, they're going to get back to normal. It's just not going to happen tomorrow. So yep. in the meantime, what do we do? If you have the opportunity to scale your business because you can get involved in the business line that does PPE, for instance, you may have to hire 100 people. Awesome. 
awesome. You know, that's great, but I might need some help in scaling that HR function out. I'm, I, I, I got to get extra 100 people. So, you know, right. there's going to be these different challenges. And to your point, there's a study that came out about, I think it's because there's a couple of millisecond delay in the video function on Zoom. It taxes the brain function. This is stuff we actually wouldn't, fun, you know, think about, think about, you know, nine, ten months ago. Now we're reading research reports on Zoom fatigue. So all these things are we're learning this as we're as we're going. So it's good to have folks like yourself that are on top of things. So when people have questions, your clients can call and say, "Listen, Amy, I, I I'm trying to figure this out. You know, what's your advice?" So yeah. it's good to have that 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 extra partner, so to speak. No, and I I um, love the learning part for myself as well. So uh, as I said earlier, it's about the dialogue and um, you know feeling like you have someone that has your back. That, that's what we pride ourselves on. We want to m- make sure that our clients feel like we've got their back with this stuff um, so that they can um, worry about the things that, that uh, are the reason they got into business in the first place, which mm. is their products or services. Absolutely. Listen, Amy, thank you very much for coming on the program today. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks folks, so much for having me. It's good to, good to talk to you, Tom, as always. Absolutely.